Hello and welcome back to Unlicensed Entertainment. I am your host, Carl Etner. Uh, after receiving hundreds of responses to the last episode from you guys, I have decided to fire my wife from the show. She's not allowed on here anymore. Either that or she's at a comedy show right now and uh, we forgot about it until last minute, so I didn't have her available to record this week. But I had her convinced she was going to be on the show. And then things got in the way. So it's going to be me. I'm going to do it by myself. So I want to do a semi-regular uh, setup with this thing and uh, keep a show at least once every two weeks. Because I used to do it once every week and that was a lot of work. And this should be fun. It should not be work unless you guys start sending me money. If you guys want to start sending me money, I will do as many shows as you want. Because I am a broke-ass motherfucker. All right. So, I also almost forgot to record because uh, I was like done for the day. It's pretty, it's decently late right now. It's about ready to watch one more episode of uh, the. I'm finally starting to watch a Star Wars Clone Wars series. It's gonna watch one more episode of that, and then I was like, shit, I haven't recorded the podcast. I said I was gonna record it too. It's now late night. So yeah, that's an insight into my world. How how high I prioritize this show is that it can completely slip my mind. Until the last second. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do today is we are going to look at uh, what's going on in entertainment news. Which I'm sure you all are so excited for. Uh, The first thing that I want to talk about is uh, Imelda Staunton is going to play Queen Elizabeth in the fantastic show The Crown. For those of you who are not familiar with this show, what they do is... Uh, for uh, by the way, if you don't know who Milda Staunton is, she played Dolores Umbridge in the Harry Potter uh, movies, and it was fantastic in that series. Is like my favorite bad guy. I know everybody loves Voldemort, but I'm all about Umbridge. So she played her in that, and now she's going to play Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. And what they do, you're like, well, they already have a Queen Elizabeth. I've seen stuff about that show. Yes, every two years they recast the show because they age it up. They jump for, uh, jump up in time. So we had um, Olivia Coleman for the newest series. We had, uh, I cannot think of her name right now, and I, it's, I'm blanking on Claire Foy. Claire Foy as a queen for the first two seasons, and now they got the last one. And another thing that was interesting was the idea behind the show was every two years they would uh, recast. So every, every person who played the queen was going to get two seasons. Well, the guy, this has been so wrongly reported by some, some news sites if you follow them. Some sites say Netflix has canceled this show, which would be weird to do. Like, hey, we're going to have you guys come back for two more seasons, but you guys are canceled, all right? No, they didn't cancel the show. The creator of the show is like, you know what? Instead of doing two seasons for Amilda Staunton, I kind of feel like we're up to where I want to go with the show. I, the more he's, He said in the past, the closer he gets to current events, uh, the more it feels like more like you're you're having a take on it like a news source rather and commenting on society and stuff like that rather than just doing an entertaining show. So he's basically like, I've gotten as far into their life as close to modern day as I want to get before it feels too close. And he has an ending in mind and that's what he's gonna do. So yeah, they decided to do one more two more seasons of the of the crown and that's it. Only one season with the Mildestan. Uh, something I thought was funny. Uh, they have uh, I gotta work off a memory because I can't find the article now. So if I get anything wrong on this, I'm sorry. So, in, we are living in the age of reboots, or uh, maybe not reboots, more like uh, continuations of stories. And there have been some weird ones that I don't get. I've been attacked online for this opinion. Like when they made. Fuller House, the sequel series to Full House, twenty years later, my re- initial my reaction, and it's still my reaction to this day, is who the fuck is that made for? Because the people that grew up watching Full House should be too old to watch that now. It's not like you know if you watch like a Disney movie or like Shrek or something like that with uh, as a kid, you could also watch that as an adult because there's stuff in there. It's mature enough that you as an adult can enjoy it and it's also like young enough the kids can get it too it's like it goes for both people but full house 
is made strictly for a young audience. There is nothing in there for adults to enjoy. It's painful for an adult to watch that show. Yet somehow they made a sequel to it, which I'm like, the kids aren't going to care. They're going to go like, hey, kids are not going to care that the parents are going to say, hey, kids, want to watch this show? There's a sequel to a show that I watched when I was your age. It's continuation of those characters you never heard of. No, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And from what I understand online, the main people that watch it are adults that just are stuck in nostalgia. Like they can't move on past that. They're watching Boy Meets World and Family Matters and stuff that like has not aged well that is made strictly for younger audiences can't move past that. Now I will watch I I'll get nostalgic too. I'm not I'm gonna one hundred percent admit I'm being hypocritical on this. But I feel like there has to be some standard to nostalgia. You can't just watch something that's made for just little kids. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is that uh, the Peacock, which is another streaming service that you got to get, that apparently if you have certain cable providers, you're going to get for free, but otherwise you're going to have to pay like $5 a month for it, which, and then by the way, Peacock is an NBC-owned streaming service, and so far all they've thrown out there is the fact that one, they have bought the rights to The Office, so the fact that The Office is going to be off of Netflix soon, or yeah, I think it's The Office, or other shows like Parks and Rec and The Office, stuff like that, are going to be off Netflix soon because they're going to the Peacock. So that's a big thing. And also they are doing dumb shows. I think they're bringing back, now I never watched this show, I really heard about it, but I know Punky Brewster is coming back. And they also are bringing back Saved by the Bell, the uh, another new class, because they think they already did a new class, a sequel to Saved by the Bell, which basically had Screech, and that's it on it. So they're bringing it back again. Now, that's already bad enough. But then the, the concept of the show is so fucking stupid. So the concept of the show is that Zach Mer- Morris is governor of the state in which uh, Bayside School is. I don't know which state it is. It's been a long time since I watched the show. It's more my sister my sister's thing. Not that you needed that detail. And basically, he has cut funding to a bunch of schools. And because of that, he's forcing a bunch of rich kids to go uh, to the same school as poorer kids at the old Bayside School. I'm not sure which one's supposed to be which. And so because of lack of funding created by the villainous Zach Morris, who was the hero of the series, but if you look up on YouTube, there's a great series called Zach Morris' Trash. shows how horrible of a person he was. I highly recommend it. So that's, that's the concept. It's fucking stupid. But hey, enjoy. If you like that crappy nostalgia and you're like, I hate Carl for this, send me some comments because... I have not gotten any comments whatsoever. I know I opened the show saying I got comments, but no, not a single comment. I'd love to hear from you guys. Just to know that I'm not just talking to myself here. It's so much easier when my wife is here and I have someone to talk to. So at least I know one person, uh, one person's listening to me and she's already sick of it. That's something uh, you guys should probably know about my home life. I am, even when I'm not doing this podcast, even when I took two years off of doing an entertainment podcast, I am way too obsessed with movie and TV news. Like I said before, I don't give a fuck about the, co- about the gossip stuff. I don't care who's dating who, but I'm super obsessed with that stuff. So my wife will be, well, she'll come home from a long day at work, and she'll be like, she'll tell me all about her day, all about the crazy shit that went on. I, I work in a warehouse. I don't have crazy shit that goes on. It's pretty much the same thing over and over again. She's a nurse. She's actually doing stuff that helps people. I'm, I'm putting stuff in a box. And so, like, I live for the TV and, and movie stuff. So she tells me all about the stuff that's going on in her day, things that are stressing her out, uh, what her thoughts are on, what's going on in the world today. I go, yeah, that's interesting. Did you hear Milda Staunton got cast as the queen for the final season? That's what living with me is like. So I'm pretty sure she's sick of it already. So I'm still going to try to get her on this show, though, because uh, I need to, I, I like her. I like her a lot. All right. Uh, it's another funny story. Now, I am a big fan of late night TV. Uh, I'm going to probably in a future episode kind of go over my rankings of late night television because I watched a lot. It's the last thing I watch every day. I flip through basically all of them. I go through like phases where into one or the other. And uh, so... I'm really into that, but a lot of people have, you know, that I know, maybe it's because I just know a bunch of comedians, because I think this guy's very popular, 
is uh, James Corden. I'm, I actually do like him. I know he's like the uh, he's like the British Jamie Fallon and the fact that they like singing all the time. But I find him likable, unlike Jimmy Fallon. So James Corden has gotten uh, a lot of a lot of flack lately for something besides the fact that a lot of people don't find him funny. Um, and that is for his segment, uh, Carpool Karaoke, which is, uh, I like I said, I like him, but I don't get the point of Carpool Karaoke. Why does an interview have to be in a car and they have to sing, sing other people's songs? It's just dumb to me. But anyways, in this, it's come, become, there's a viral clip that has gone around that shows that he often is being towed. He's not actually driving the car. Uh, for those of you who don't know what dri- Carpool Karaoke is because you don't care about late night TV, James Corden is the host of Late Late Show. And one of his segments is he basically says, oh, I'm going to go get a ride from work from somebody. I'm going to go carpool because that's better. And he pulls up and some celebrity gets into his car. It's a whole bit. And then the, he interviews them. And in between interview questions, they'll cut to them uh, singing uh, a song by that artist or sometimes even just a song that artist likes. But anyways, it's been shown online that he doesn't always drive the car. And people were really pissed off about this. Uh, they call it fake news and just super upset about it. And I just don't get it. It's 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 late night TV. It's a bit. Of course, he's not always driving. He actually got defensive and says that he drives more than people think he does. It's just when it's not safe that he doesn't drive, which I kind of call bullshit on. I don't believe that. Whatever. Do what you want. But he had a great response that I liked a lot. He said, I'm just shocked. Well, I'll try to do it in my British accent. I'm just shocked. That is not Gordon at all. I am just shocked that I did something that upset people more than cats. Which is funny. Uh, if you don't know, James Corden is a fat cat in Cats. And yeah, good times. So that was my great British accent, which I think has gotten worse. I think I used to have to do accents more back when I did improv. And now that I don't do improv comedy anymore, it's just gotten uh, sloppy. So yeah, uh, fun thing. Uh, because I thought my wife was going to be on this show, I pulled a couple clip stories uh, from stuff that I thought would interest her and not me. And one of those things is uh, my wife loves Mean Girls. Uh, she finally got me to watch. For years, I avoided it. Uh, it came out in like 2005, 2004, back when Lindsay Lohan was still a good thing to have attached, good name to have attached to your movie. And I know it's made by Tina Fey. She wrote the wrote the script, and I love Tina Fey, and I, I watched every episode of Thirty Rock. I watched every episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So you think, oh, Mean Girls, that would fit for me, but for some reason, I had no interest in it. Finally, like two years ago, I finally got around to it, and I was like, it's not that good. It's fine. It is not the worst. It's not a torturous thing if you you have to watch. If you're a guy, you've been holding out on it, and your wife or girlfriend or just someone you're dating really wants to show it to you, watch it. Smile, it's not going to hurt you, and she'll appreciate that you gave something that she likes to try. But uh, if you don't know, there has been a, a musical, because every movie now is now being readapted into a Broadway musical. So there's been a successful mu- musical of Mean Girls going on for a little while now. So now the thing is, and it's happened a few times, like, um, like the producers was uh, an old uh, Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks movie that that was not a musical then they made a broadway musical of it and then they made a vid, uh, a motion picture of the musical they are now doing the same thing with mean girls i hope i don't have to see it my wife almost made me go see the the musical on stage but i don't know what happened with that so don't bring it up to her instead we're gonna go see spongebob musical soon which i'm sad for i know i'm making fun of someone for watching kids shows and i'm gonna go see the live spongebob show but whatever uh, another thing that I brought up with her, if you like documentaries, I enjoy a good one every once in a while. I am not like my wife, however, who loves true crime shit. Uh, but there is a new documentary call, come out called I Love You, Now Die. And it is basically about this woman who uh, got away with basically goading her uh, her boyfriend into killing himself. Uh, which I, I, even I kind of find fascinating because... Uh, is what she did wrong? It's not sure, legal. It sure sounds like it should be. If it's not, she managed to get away with basically telling him to kill himself over and over again. When he was like, "I'm depressed. I should just kill myself." Instead of trying to talk him out of it, trying to help him out, it's like, 
She's like, you're all talk. Finally, just actually do it. When we say he's going to do it, she's like, I'm so proud of you. So that's just fucking weird. So, yeah, there's going to be a documentary on that. Another news story that's coming out that uh, if you read the clickbait headlines, which I, I tell you guys, don't trust article lines because they are so inaccurate. You actually have to go in and read the shit before you have an, an angry opinion, which I know people all the time do not do that because if you read the the comments of an article, you can tell that 99% of people that are actually commenting on it only read the headline. And one of the big things around there that happened was is that uh, if you were a big fan of, uh, you know, The Mandalorian came out not that long ago, and that was a Disney Plus Star Wars show. Well, they now they have another one that's coming out, uh, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi spinoff series starring Ewan McGregor. And basically, there's so many articles coming out saying that show has been canceled, it's on an indefinite hiatus. And then Ewan McGregor came out and was like, "No, no, we just supposed to shoot back to beginning to the the beginning of next year." He says the scripts are really good. I saw 90% of the writing. There was all this bullshit about there being creative differences and all that stuff. None of it is true. They just pushed the dates. So uh, don't get too upset. There will be more Star Wars TV. I've not seen The Mandalorian yet, but so far with the shows that I have seen, uh, a little bit of The Clone Wars and Rebels, they do a good job of it. I feel like we kind of got Obi-Wan's story, though. I mean, he had the prequels, and he had which were pretty much starring him. And then they had the uh, the uh, New Hope. I guess you could fill in the between, like, hey, why is he hiding off all alone? Which I feel like was kind of understandable up to the end of Revenge of the Sith. But whatever, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we need that. I like Hugh McGregor. Don't think he's like that great in these movies, but that's because the scripts are so bad. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, something that are getting a bunch of the uh, crybaby people upset is that Captain Marvel sequels in development with uh, Brie Larson is going to be back. They're not going to recast her just because she has a flat butt. I'm not attacking her for that. But if you look online, half the comments for a Captain Marvel story either complain that she's a feminazi, which she's not, or racist against white people, white males, or sexist against white males, or something like that. She's not. She really isn't. She says some things that people got all butthurt about uh, for basically, she was like, all she was being interviewed by were white males. And she wanted it to open up to more diversity in her interviews and not just do it to those people. Give other people a chance. And so white privileged guys got all fucking butthurt about that and freaked out. And like, she hates white males. And I'm so mad about that. When all she was doing was standing up for people that don't get a chance. She's giving other people a chance. How in the world is that evil? Okay, and I'll just lost all my conservative uh, listener. Uh, but <laughs> it's ridiculous to me. And also, like, so the thing I hear a lot about her, besides the fact that she has a flat butt, which, again, is not part of Captain Marvel's powers. I read a lot of comic books. And, you know, I haven't read everything with her. But she's in a lot of Avengers comics, a lot of uh, Iron Man comics. I haven't read her any of her solo stuff without them. But uh, never have they mentioned that her powers of flight or anything like that or Kree energy powers have anything to do with the fact that in the comics she has a great ass. So I, f- I feel like that's something we shouldn't hold on. And also a lot of people keep on talking about how the fact that she doesn't smile enough. Which again, that shouldn't be a thing. We never have done that to a male, male actor in, this, in a movie because like, so many of them are supposed to be like badass. But since she's a female... She, she, she doesn't she has to smile more because we, we we males react kindly to that or even I gotta say a lot of the mean comments are from women attacking her uh, if you pay attention she starts off very cold that was deliberate then as the movie goes on and her humanity is brought back to her she starts to get more and more open, inviting, and human, which I feel like was the exact point of the film. But people walked in there with their thoughts from the trailers, show you very little, and decided they were going to hate it. I'm not saying that's everybody. Some people just didn't like the story, or maybe their acting doesn't sit well with you. I 
for one and flabbergasted by that. She's won an Oscar. I know that doesn't mean that you have to like someone who's won an Oscar, but I feel like it's very hard to win an Oscar if you're not a good actor. The fact that, like, because I saw The Room. I was, I've was i been a fan of Brie Larson um, since even she, before she won the Oscar for Room. She was in a TV show called The United States Tara as a daughter, and she was fantastic. I liked her a lot. And she was great in Room, which my brother... Okay, I'm, I'm a twin brother, which he probably doesn't like me saying on here because I'm not even allowed to be his Facebook friend because he doesn't like people knowing he's a twin for some reason. Uh, message me on Facebook if you want more details about that. Uh, but anyways, he said he watched Room with his roommates, which which was an Oscar-nominated picture, and she was she won the Oscar for her performance in that movie. And he said the movie was laughably bad, and she was laughably bad. And I got to say... That is one of the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard because that performance was amazing. Uh, but yeah, you can but you cannot like Captain Marvel. That, not liking Captain Marvel does not make you sexist. But I feel like a lot of the people that don't like it are sexist. That's all. You might not be one of them. Don't freak out on me. I'm not one of those people that think that everybody has a different opinion than me. It's horrible. I'm just saying that a lot of people fit that di- that. Uh, Fit that headline. Um, okay. So speaking of uh, going back to reboots, something I'm surprised that they're doing because I didn't think the first one was all that popular. I think there might have been a few straight the video ones, and you don't know what I'm talking about yet because I haven't told you what it is, what it is. They are going to do a reboot of Anaconda. Yeah, that's right, Anaconda. Does anyone remember that movie? Probably not anybody who was born. Any time after the movie was came out, if you're if you're born like a year after that movie came out, you don't remember that movie. But for those of us to do, one, it was made in the early era of uh, CGI, so it aged horribly. Also, it's Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube, which is a weird pairing. Uh, but yeah, so it's a snake movie. It's about a giant snake. I don't know why we need that. I don't know why you can't just come up with, if you want to do snakes, just make another snake movie. It doesn't have to be Anaconda. I don't think anyone owns the rights to giant snakes. I don't think anyone's going to go, oh, I'm so nostalgic for Anaconda. I got to go back and see this. It seems like a dumb idea. We are literally just rebooting things that have a name attached to it that somebody's heard. And I heard it in a fond way. Just heard it like, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't like it. And then, like, let's make a movie around that. Yeah, sounds good. Um, let's see. Uh, so you know, Disney right now is doing the live action smooth transition. Disney right now is doing the live action uh, remakes of basically everything in the library. Although they say they do say they have a finite amount of movies that they can make in the live action, which I see no evidence of from their choices that they truly think this, especially with this new one, Bambi. Is next up for the live action treatment. It's going to be live action like Lion King, though, which Lion King was live action until they wanted to win in a category for animation. Then it was an animated movie. You can't have it both ways. It's an animated movie with super realistic looking animation, but animation nonetheless. And if you can't make a movie as good as Lion King good with that with that uh, kind of animation, what makes you think Bambi's going to be that good? Like. Bambi's really good if you're really little. If you were an adult, it's kind of plotless. I basically the only thing that sticks out to me is that the mother dies, and like Lion King doesn't die on screen. Okay. One thing that will make me excited for the live action Bambi, if we get to see the bloody just kill of Bambi's mom. See so her get shot in the head. Let's even like follow it to the people that are gonna like hunt it, uh, not hunt it, uh, like uh, you know skin it and cook it for food, and then like they mount that head in their house and take pictures around it. Like, geez, they got a reindeer head. If they do that, then I'm excited. But other than that, I don't give a fuck about the thumper or flower. I used to have a painting of that, uh, a Bambi in my uh, room when I was a little kid because my uh, my grandpa. Uh, was a great artist, and so for little kids, you'd have that. And so for some reason, Flower just really stuck around with me. My name's Flower. Ugh, I don't care about Flower. 
I don't care about skunks. We could just add, oh, okay, never mind. I've seen videos of people that have um, de landed a skunk and made it as a pet. I'm like, uh, that seems cruel, but then it's cute. Uh, but I, I, other than that, I don't give a fuck about skunks. Uh, so yeah, that's that's skunk talk. Let's see, is there anything else worth talking about? Uh, Space Force logo looks like a Starfleet logo. Uh, but I've read some things that say that uh, that might be a coincidence. It actually looks like something else that existed before. But people are freaking about out about that online, including former Star Trek actors. Uh, not worth that going actually going into uh, Hunger Games. So they are making a Hunger Games sequel, uh, not sequel, prequel series. I think it's going to be a trilogy. I'm not 100% on that. It might just be um, it might just be the one. But they've already greenlit it into a movie, and the book hasn't even come out yet. Uh, but basically, it, they're trying to Darth Vader, uh, President Snow, uh, which was played by, I'm literally looking at the actor. I literally know his name 99% of the time. And yet I cannot think of the name of the actor right now. He was played by, I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of him. I want to say Donald something. I'm making noises. I'm reading fast because that helps. At least the mics haven't gone dead. I could have just turned off the mics and, uh, and uh, look this up. And then come back. Instead, I'm freaking scanning. All right, well, whatever. It's basically they're doing the Anakin Skywalker story of, of uh, President Snow about how he became an evil guy. Because he was, in the fir- at least in the, the first one, he's going to be a hero. Just like Anakin was a hero for uh, Phantom Menace and was a hero for Clone uh, Attack of the Clones and was a hero in the uh, Clone Wars TV series. Well, they're going to do that... They're going to somehow, uh, you know what's funny? I compared it to Darth Vader, but uh, Darth Vader, when he finally turns evil, just kills a whole bunch of kids. Like one of my favorite like cutscenes in the entire series. He's like, the kids like sees Anakin come in there and gives him a look and then you see the lightsaber go up and you, you wish it'd stick around and see him just slicing up children. At least I do. Uh, President Snow has killed a lot of children. That's the whole concept of the Hunger Games, is forcing much children to die. So we really like going back and making heroes out of people who eventually kill children. So don't, it's basically the message of the story is if somebody kill, saves a bunch of people, they're probably going to kill kids later. We need like a Batman story where like reverse Anakin it. Start off as a good guy, don't know he's going to turn into a bad guy. And then Superman just kills a bunch of children. Batman kills a bunch of children. Spider-Man kills a bunch of children. I'm excited for that. So, uh, Hollywood, if you need any ideas for who you want to, who you, uh, should make a movie or something about uh, somebody killing children, let me know. I got plenty of ideas. I could just list things all day long. And then my last uh, news story. This is about as close uh, as I am going to get to reporting on uh, reporting. I'm not a reporter. From talking about sports. So, uh, do you guys know who Gritty is? Look him up. He is a, a mascot for a Philadelphia sports team in the NHL, the Flyers. And he is is being he's being accused and is going to court. Cops are oh no, not going to court. The cops are investigating whether or not Gritty assaulted a kid during a photo shoot. Basically, uh, he says, um, here's what happened. According to resident Chris Greenwall, his son took a photo with uh, with Gritty, and yeah, sure, he might have roughed him up a a bit. He taps Gritty three times on the head, a light tap. After that, my son walks away. Gritty was about eight feet away from my son, got out of the chair and lunged at him and hit him in the back. Now, the saddest thing about this story, because I want to see it, I want to see it so bad, and if there were a video of me right now, I am praying I have my hands up in the praying motion when I'm saying, I want to see it so bad. I, w- I would be so happy. I believe in God if they had video of this. But they do not have video of this for some reason, for legal reason. And the fact that there is nobody who had their camera on, who could post this on YouTube, is surprising as hell to me. Because I feel like everything's getting recorded nowadays. You're telling me we don't have footage of Gritty assaulting a kid? I would like to see it. 
So yeah, that's all the news uh, for today. I I have more stories, but some of these things uh, are way more fun to talk about with someone to bounce these off of. But hopefully, uh, I'm gonna, I can guilt my wife into doing the show some more. And it sounds like I'm wrapping it up, but I'm not. I have planned out even more fun and excitement for you guys. Or something small to add on to the end because I have opinions. This is being released uh, the night before uh, the Super Bowl. So you know what that means. It's time to talk about the Oscars. So I think in the last couple podcasts, or the only two that exist, I mentioned that I'm trying to see all the Best Picture nominees. And I have. So I have two thoughts about them. First, I thought it would be fun if I could... uh, if I could, where is it? I have it up here somewhere. Shh. Oh, if I could rank all the my the best picture nominees from my point of view, and I'll give you my rating of the films themselves too. So uh, there were nine movies nominated this year, way too many. Way, 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 way too many. But uh, let's go over. I saw all of them. Some of them a little bit further back than others. So a couple of them I saw before I knew there were uh, Best Picture nominees. Actually, only two of them. So I guess that's uh, a couple. The rest of them I saw after I found out they were nominated. So here we're starting from... We'll start from the bottom and work our way up to the good shit. The absolute worst movie, of the, uh, mer- movie nominated. And frankly, my least favorite movie of the year. I liked it less than Cats. Because at least Cats was entertaining. And then people are going to be surprised when I say this is The Irishman, which I give one out of five. Now you're going, maybe this guy doesn't like those kind of movies. I love those kind of movies. I think Goodfellas and and Casino and pretty much every Scorsese film I've seen has been fantastic. I think he, he's a great filmmaker. He has great dialogue, great characters, great scripts. Everything just works. They're beautifully shot. Everything. This time... He had creepy CGI now uh, for to make them look younger, which um, I'm not sure how young they were supposed to look because they never looked young to me. They looked weird, but they never looked young. But like Joe Pesci kept on going to... Um, I'm going to talk about these like you know what they are because they've been talked about so much. So this is a mobster movie made by Martin Scorsese. So uh, they used CGI to de-age the actors in there so that they could play much younger than themselves. And in this movie, Joe Pesci, who somehow was talked out of retirement to do this movie keeps on calling Robert De Niro kid. So I assume he's supposed to be really young. He does not look young. For one thing, no matter what they do to the face, the body does not move like a young man. He's hunched over. He almost has a hump. And he's moving really weird. And yeah, he's supposed to be a tough guy. People are supposed to be afraid of. And people are basically leaning into, like, because of his younger actors around there getting scared of him, doing whatever they can to make him look like he's tougher, but actually looks like they're trying to help him look like he's tougher. It's sad. I mentioned before how he has great dialogue. Not in this movie. There's not one memorable scene in that movie. Uh, the acting was fine-ish. Uh, again, I couldn't tell what age they were supposed to be. Robert De Niro basically just shrugs his way through it. No, Nobody in this movie deserved the acting nominations that they got. Oftentimes, I'll see a movie that I don't like that much. And people, they get nominated. But I go like, you know what? I may not like the movie. But that performance right there, that was a good performance. They deserved that. There was no one was bad, but no one did anything that was spectacular to deserve the nominations. I think there's like three acting nominations for this. It's also, I think, Martin Scorsese is he's got a bigger and bigger head, and I'm not just talking about literally because he literally has a huge head, but figuratively as well. The fact that the movie is three and a half hours is ridiculous. No movie should be three and a half hours. It, it, you, he needs some editing. And believe me, not a lot happens in that movie. For a gangster movie, not a lot happens. So there's plenty of stuff that they could cut out. Like all the times they pull over for a smoking break. Because that's important for some reason to talk about how much the people around him like smoking. Or there's so many repetitive scenes. It's just not worth it. It's a waste of your time. It's on Netflix, so at least I didn't have to go sit in a theater. I could sit in my own home. I paused this movie a lot. I could not sit through it in one sitting because it was so freaking long. I think it took me like... 10 hours of stopping and doing other things to get through the full movie. Maybe you're saying that that hurts my way of liking it a little bit. That hurt that hurt my opinion. But I say it's their fault for making the movie so fucking long. 
Next one on my list is Ford v Ferrari, which I give two point five out of five stars. I don't know. I don't. I didn't think of rain for all these ones. Uh, so I feel like this movie is made for for boomers, and maybe it's just because my uh, my theater was one hundred percent filled with boomers. But uh, either that or boomers or race car fans. The concept of the fact that Ford and Ferrari were fighting over who, which is the superior car company and the way they're treating their employees. I was like, this is uh, 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 people with too much money, too much time on their hands, and you don't give a fuck about if they live or die for a stupid cause. So I couldn't get into the plot. I will say uh, Christian Bale did one of his better performances in this one. I like Christian Bale. I sometimes don't think he's perfect, but he's never bad. He's just sometimes weird. Uh, but this is probably one of his best performances, and that's basically the only thing it brings up to 2.5. Is every time he's on the scene, on screen, uh, it's somewhat interesting. Uh, unfortunately, he's not the only main character in the movie, and then it gets bogged down, and I don't give a fuck. I don't care about racing. I don't care about these legends. I think it actually... It made me think racing's stupid, because people can die, or people are almost all dying all the time with this. Like I know sports in general, can be dangerous. Football among them, which, again, I don't really like football either, uh, which is probably one of the more dangerous ones. But this one is you're driving a car at super high speeds, and you can die. Something goes wrong with your car, you know, it crashes and you can't get out of it, you can fucking die. And this movie emphasized that to me and just made me hate the sport even more, so maybe not like the people that are involved. All in all, it just it just upset me. I didn't like it. I recommend against it, but the acting was good, so I'll give it. Uh, I'm giving it 2.5 just out of that. And there are some scenes where I felt suspense, despite myself. I felt a little suspenseful, but most of the time, I just didn't like it. Uh, my next one, uh, the, again, we're going from the bottom, working our way up, is a Little Women. Now I expected to hate this movie. Uh, word around when this movie uh, was released, this is going to be nominated for Best Picture. And I was like, please, 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 please don't. My sister uh, was a big fan of the 90s version with, with Nona Ryder, so I somewhat knew some of the things that happened, and I didn't like it. It's just not my kind of thing. Uh, this is the Saoirse Ronan, but I, I do like Saoirse Ronan. Uh, I saw her movie Brooklyn, which was amazing. I saw her in Lady Bird, which was okay. Lady Bird was directed by Greta Gerwig, who directed this. Um, there are good scenes in this movie. Basically, anytime Saoirse Ronan uh, had a scene that wasn't uh, about her romance, I, I was enjoying it. I love the stuff about her working with the with the literary agent. That stuff was good. Um, I love the stuff with uh, the dad or grandpa, oh, the bad guy in the Muppets uh, movie with Jason Siegel. Uh, what, any scene with him, I can't think of the actor's name. He's not big enough that I know his name, but I feel bad for that because he was really good in this movie. Basically dealing with the fact that his his own daughter died, and now he's kind of adopted this other girl, uh, Beth, as like a not not as a, as a replacement daughter, but she reminds him of his own daughter. So he has a special relationship with her, and there's some sad stuff in there. I was like, I can I can feel that that's actually reaching me. That's some real emotion. So that was good there. But the rest of the movie, Florence Pugh, who I love, Florence Pugh in uh, like Fight with My Family or Midsummer, uh, was in this. She got a nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Don't Doesn't deserve it. I felt like she was playing... Like, uh, okay, you've probably never seen this, but some of you uh, who have seen me do improv can not see this thing. Uh, lots of times in improv scenes, people will play a child character, and it's absurdly over overacted and stupid, making a dumb voice, acting really stupid, but it's supposed to be for comedy. It's made up off the top of your head, so you kind of get a little bit of leeway. If you play a child on st- uh, on stage in an improv show, which is comedy made up off the top of your head, but this movie, Florence Pugh played a character where I couldn't figure out what her age was supposed to be. They played him at multiple ages though, so I get that. But like, there's a flashback age and then there's a present age. And the flashback age, I couldn't tell how young she was supposed to be because I feel like she was supposed to be older, than, be younger than she looked because she looks like an adult, and you know, she's playing someone who acts like she's eight, and that was distracting and weird. And not good at all. Uh, and that's something coming from someone who likes her a lot. Uh, go check out Fighting With My Family, by the way. It's an underrated movie that didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, it's about wrestling, which you think I wouldn't like if you know me because I fucking hate wrestling. It's one of the worst things ever. 
but this movie about a real life female wrestler is fantastic. Go see that. Instead of Little Women, which I gave three out of five. Um, next up on my list uh, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I gave 3.5 out of 5. So it's getting a little bit better. There's a lot that I liked about this movie. Uh, it had some great scenes. A lot of the scenes that had to do with uh, with with just acting were really good. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character l- dealing with the fact that he's not as big of an actor as he used to be. I liked that a lot. The uh, the And there's, a, there's some funny stuff in there. Things I didn't like about the movie. I am not a foot person. I find feet disgusting. And I know Quentin Tarantino has always had a foot fetish, but this time it seemed like he was shoving it in my face. Uh, also, I felt like the instead of if he if he had done this movie before he had done Inglorious Bastards, I feel like it would have been a little bit better. Because Inglorious Bastards, for those of you who haven't seen it, changed the what what happened in World War II with what happened with Hitler. It basically gives you a surprise ending about. Holy shit, that's how we dealt with Hitler. But in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you kind of saw that coming with Charles Manson, which is like a, a weird story thrown in there. And that hurt the movie for me because it made me not care about the Manson stuff because I kind of figured they were going to do a little bit of revisionist history with uh, Sharon Tate and stuff. And so I didn't care about the big twist. I predicted it way too early in this way too long movie that, again, could uh, he's another uh, film director who, as he's gone on in his career could start using some editing but has gotten so full of himself he doesn't have anyone that could say no to him because he's considered one of the best filmmakers of all time that he doesn't edit at all if you watch like the hateful eight which like if you want if you slice an hour off of that movie is a great movie put the hour on there it's an okay movie because he just puts too much stuff in there and i feel like uh with once upon a time in hollywood but the scene where the the young actress uh helps out a crying leonardo DiCaprio is a delight so just for that i say it's worth seeing once, or they're talking about, <coughs> sorry, no cop button. You know what? I'm going to pause this. Oh, my God. I'm not sure if you guys heard that there. I started gagging. I've been talking for 42 minutes. I didn't get any water. My throat dried up, and then I just started gagging. I feel like this is why uh, stand-up comedians... Oh, my God, I'm doing it again. Another sip of water. Bring water with them on stage is because if they talk for... They do, like, hour and a half uh, stand-up sets. They probably want to gag afterwards. So I'm learning about this. I, I've never done a, that this much of a podcast before without uh, someone to bounce ideas off of. And uh, finally, I'm able to do that part okay. But, the uh, man, you go on long enough and it starts killing you. Okay, let's go back to my list. So yeah, go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah. So what I was going to say before I started gagging is uh, they're talking about Quentin Tarantino wants to make a Netflix version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is make, basically make it into a miniseries and then release even more footage, which I think will be more tolerable if it's split over episodes rather than just sitting in a movie theater straight for that long with no breaks. That being said, I'm not going to watch it. I had enough of it the first time and wasn't that impressed. Next up is Joker. I gave this 3.5 out of 5. And a lot of people are now are probably screaming at their radio if they were listening. But, um, this movie, yeah, this movie seems very divisive. I'll definitely give it that. There are some people that absolutely love this. My, my wife really enjoyed the movie. Uh, my uh, my former co-host, uh, Sir Chase Hooper, who check out the Absurd podcast, he really liked this movie. Uh, and I'll give it that it has Joaquin Phoenix deserves the Oscar nomination uh, for Best Lead Actor. I don't think he deserves to win it, but I think he deserves the nomination. Uh, the acting in this movie is fantastic. There's a really good twist in there, too. Uh, I'm not going to ruin for anybody that uh, hasn't seen it yet. Uh, but a couple things. One the Batman stuff almost is a distraction rather than helping. I feel like if they could have just done a movie about a guy who is slowly losing it, who wants to make it in the comedy world, you don't need it to be a Batman movie. You could just be a movie about a guy. Um, also, uh, I felt like some things were weird. Like, like someone that he knew witnessed him murder a guy was let go. The guy who, 
Joker admitted, told him he was going to go on a TV show. Ugh, sorry. And then didn't tell anybody where he was going after he had murdered the guy. That seemed weird to me. Um, also, the movie, like, if a movie's going to be a mo- uh, like a political movie, like this one kind of seemed like it was, I have to understand what your point was. Or if it was, if your point is what I think it is, it's a bad point. And that is, it seemed to be like uh, murder billionaires, murder of the rich, which is weird because, you know, billionaires and rich people are funding this movie and it doesn't seem to make much sense. And it just seems like a bad message in an already too violent world. I'm not going to say that this movie is going to make someone kill somebody because I feel like that's ridiculous. If anyone has ever talked about like, that they think a video game or a song or a movie has made them kill somebody. They might think of that as an influence on them, but they're going to do it anyway. A movie is not going to be the thing that drives you over the edge. There's going to be a lot of things. You're not going to be a, a sane person and then go like, I saw Joker and I started killing everybody. No. But I feel like the message is weird and supports that kind of violence. Again, I don't think people are going to kill me because of it. I think the new stuff that got that basically gives this movie free press about how people worried about violence because of this movie was wrong. But it feels like that's the message of the movie. Also, I, I'm not sure if I said this. I guess I could rewind the tape, but I'm not going to do that tape. <laughs> this is all digital. Um, the Batman stuff was super distracting. It shouldn't have been in there because it wasn't necessary. Uh... And basically, it wasn't like the characters at all. So if you were a fan of the comics, like I am a fan of Batman comics, you have to disassociate yourself from it, which I was able to do. I didn't think about it too much. Just every once in a while in those scenes where, like, where he's putting his fingers in Bruce Wayne's mouth. By the way, Bruce Wayne has no stranger danger. I would never have any point let someone put their fingers in their mouth because I've always been afraid of germs. I never even played in mud. So I can imagine. So, oh, a weird, gross-looking guy looks like he needs a shower. I'll just put his fingers in my mouth. Yeah, sure, I'm going to stand by and let them do that. Mm. Water. So, yeah. Um, I didn't like it that much. It wasn't a bad movie. I was never bored. was never angry. But when it finished, I was like, this just seems like a bad, worse version of two great Scorsese films, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Which, by the way, King of Comedy is one of the lesser-known Scorsese films. And... Uh, if you like Joker, check out King of Comedy. It stars Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis, and it is my favorite Martin Scorsese film. Go see it. It's so fucking good. Um, now we're going to move up to the good stuff. If any of the stuff that lists from here on till the end of the list wins Best Picture, I'm happy. It's good enough for me. But that almost never happens because I'll, I'll be really into a movie and then Green Book will win. Or Birdman will win. Or Spotlight. Which, Spotlight was a good movie, but it seemed kind of, like, generic. One, uh, so, like, I've never seen a movie that was in my top list win since I've started watching all the best pictures, which I've done for about, since 2015. So, uh, next one is Jojo Rabbit. This movie was delightful. I didn't know what to expect, because the trailers made it look almost straight up like a comedy. Like, it's going to be a buddy picture with a kid as imaginary friend Hitler, who was a real person, but he imagined that Hitler is his friend. Uh, I knew it was going to be a satire. Uh, I didn't expect to feel as much as I did from this. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, a lot of people call her a bad actress. I just think she hasn't, hasn't mu- had much variety. But uh, this year, she's in two movies that are nominated for Best, Best Picture, and she shines in both of them in very different ways. And I thought she was delightful in uh, Jojo Rabbit. I thought Taiko Atiti did a great job of doing these weird, this weird tone that could shift from really funny to really sad in an absurd way, fantastically. This movie was so well made. That I'm a, I'm a very big hater on Rebel Wilson. It's not for me. Go live your life happily, Rebel Wilson, but you're not my cup of tea. But um, in this movie, I found her really funny. Uh, the, the kid, I don't know how kids have gotten so good in acting. But the kid actors were fantastic. Uh, you kind of knew where the story was going to go just from the basic premise. Uh, you didn't, I didn't expect to go as as emotional as, as it did, but I expected to go kind of along this route uh, story-wise. 
there's like a few things in there that uh, bugged me a little bit, but for the most part, all around, it's a funny, suspenseful, moving movie that uh, I wish there were more more like it. I've only seen a couple things by Taika Waititi. I've seen What We Do in the Shadows. I've seen Thor Ragnarok, uh, and I've seen Jojo Rabbit. Or uh, I think he's done like maybe a couple more stuff that haven't got as much wide uh, known knowledge here in the states. Uh, but so far, every single one of them has been fantastic. So I hope to see more from Taika Waititi, who also played Hitler, which was fun. Didn't think that'd be a thing. A, a fun Hitler. Uh, next up is a Korean movie, Parasite, four point five out of five. This the way I basically describe this movie. For one thing, I went into this movie completely blind. I had not seen a trailer for it or read a synopsis or anything like that. I just heard it was a good movie. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was going to be a horror film. It was not a horror film, so that, that was fun. Uh, it's basically a dramedy, and for like the first, I don't want to spoil anything for you. I really feel like if you go into this movie blind, it's better. But I'll say this: for like the first hour and fifteen minutes in the movie, it's hilarious. It is so much fun, and then suddenly everything stops being fun. It gets sad, and it gets feels hopeless, and confused, and it just gets worse and worse and worse as it goes on. It just gets harder and harder and harder and harder, and I did not expect that at all. It is in subtitles. It's a foreign, like I said, it's Korean, but at least if you're like me, and you can read decently well. Uh, after a little, after the first couple of minutes, I stopped noticing it, and just got sucked into the story. The acting's fantastic. Uh, the story is very unique. Uh, and I like look, I like looking stuff up online on what different things uh, mean. Uh, this is both a funny, funny line and used a lot in the movie, and also just true. It's very metaphorical. Uh, next up is 1917. Five out of five. I uh, was not expecting this movie to be, like I expected it to be good, but I was a little worried about the gimmick. The gimmick of this movie it's a World War One movie, and it is done supposedly in one shot, but that's a lie. There's at least five moments in the movie I could see that they cut and were able to use as cut points. There's probably more, and then one that's like straight up. Of course, it's cut. There's a time jump. But they, they advertise it as a one-shot movie. So that means, like, if someone's talking and someone else talks, they don't do the thing where, like, it's just on the person who's talking. The camera has to move around to get there. At first, it was a little distracting. And then it kind of started, it gets you more into the movie. Uh, it almost feel, feels like you're playing a video game, almost. And I've seen a lot of people say that as a bad thing. I'm saying it as a good thing. Because in video games, you're more invested in what happens to the people. Because it's scary when you think you're going to die. Because like, I don't want to die here. There's so much put into this. And uh, I felt that a lot. I felt like it had a great, great actors of people who I didn't really know that well. One of them is apparently from Game of Thrones. The guy, the kid uh, that threw himself out a window. The the brother of Joffrey threw himself out the window after his girlfriend and family died. Uh, him. And then that's about it. That's uh, Then there's like a bunch of, of the two main characters. That's about it. But then along the way, they run into like really big guy. Another really big guy. Another really big guy. Uh Again, it, it did a great job. I, I love when movies are able to be both funny and really sad. And this is not this is not a dramedy, but there are a lot of funny moments in there and the genuinely suspenseful moments. And the music, the score, the score is so good. I just want to get the score. I was going to say on CD, but those barely exist anymore. I want to get it on my iPod, which I know most people don't have iPods anymore, but I do because I'm old and backwards. Uh, and I don't want to give up my iPod. Uh, so... I want to get that score so bad. Acting, cinematography, everything was just so good. And I thought after seeing this movie, this is one of the first movies I saw of the uh, Best Picture nominees besides Joker Once Upon a Time, which I saw way back. This is one of the first ones I saw after all the nominations came out. I thought nothing can beat this movie until I saw Marriage Story. Now, Marriage Story uh, is a very simple story. It's about divorce, which I know it's it's funny in there uh, that's called Marriage Story and it's about divorce but uh, the performances in there are so good I love Adam Driver I've been a fan of his since uh, the show Girls which is a very divisive show but uh, in a show called Girls he was the best character uh, and he's most definitely not a girl uh, he should win best actor for this movie there is a scene in this movie and you'll know what I'm talking about 
the punch in the wall scene, uh, that sold me alone on it being Best Picture. Not to mention just the fact that the performances were so real, so gut-wrenching, uh, feeling like your kid's getting turned against you, uh, feel like you're losing time with your kid, feeling like life's falling apart, uh, feeling the fact that they loved each other once, and they know that. And this is supposed to be... This go, is this a story about two people that don't hate each other that are getting divorced and it's still ugly and horrible? And it's written it's written from the point of view of it's based on the director's own divorce. And he even gave it to his ex-wife, who he's still friends with, and let her read the script before he made it, and she liked it. So they felt it. And it's about people, two people that don't hate each other that gain divorce, and it's ugly and it's so well done. And it's also really funny. There are like multiple moments in this movie where I was laughing out loud. Uh, across the board, acting so good. It, th- this movie is perfect. I walked away from it. I, this is such a depressing movie, but I love sad movies. So after it was done, I was smiling. I was so happy that I watched something so devastating. And it's rare to find something that's devastating that's not like someone dies at the end. They just get divorced. But that la- there's this last scene or again, Adam Driver does such a great performance just reading something. Uh, it's so good. And uh, I'm not sure if I cried, but I might have because I'm a, I'm a millennial, and we millennials are all about starting to embrace our emotions. So there's that. Though many of you can mock me because I still find it weird that I do this because for most of my life, I didn't. And I felt ashamed until people kept going like, okay, that just seems bad that you're so upset about the fact that you felt something. So I'm feeling now. That was not me almost puking. That was just me. Or that was just me making a noise for some reason. All right. So those are that's my ranking of the best picture. So again, it's I'm going to go from, from bottom to top. Irishman is last. Then Ford v. Ferrari. Little Women. Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. Joker. Jojo Rabbit, Parasite, 1917, and Marriage Story. Uh, so feel free to make my ranking your ranking. Now, I had an idea, and I don't know when the Oscars are, because I, I care a lot about the uh, the nominations and who wins. I don't care at all about award shows, so I don't know when the award show is, but when it comes out, I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to look online to see who the winners are and yell at the people who voted wrong or delight in who's right. Because I care so much that rich people are getting acknowledgement for their richness and their careers, which I wish I could have. Uh, but anyways, I thought of uh, an idea. Like so many people say, like when snubs come out, like who wasn't nominated, they go like, "Well, in order to for that person to be, have been nominated or that thing to be have been gotten a nomination, something else should have been removed would have to be removed in order for that one to fit in there." Which I say, no problem. There were a lot of Best Picture nominees, which are the only ones I've seen the full categories for. I was like, yeah, those didn't deserve it. So I have, I'm going to list my movies that I think should be, uh, should have the nomination taken away. and replace it with movies that are basically perfect that came out this year that should have been nominated for Best Picture. So, uh, so Once Upon a Time, Joker, Little Women, Irishman, and Ford v. Ferrari, you guys are no longer nominated for Best Picture. And now I'm going to insert in my own Late Night. Late Night is a weird one for a lot of people. It's uh, it's basically just a comedy, uh, but it fits in something that I love so much. Like I said earlier in this podcast, I'm a big fan of late night TV, and this show is about making a late night TV show. It stars Emma Thompson, is written by Minda Kaling, uh, had, who's also stars in it. Uh, uh, John Lithgow plays Emma Thompson's husband, and I feel like he should have gotten a nomination in this movie because he was so good in it. Uh, it's funny. It uh, is beautifully written. It's interesting. It gives you a, a fun look at what's like behind the scenes of a late night TV show. And the don't watch the trailer. The trailer is terrible. But go into this movie uh, ready to enjoy it or with an open mind and you'll have a great time. I feel like late night should have gotten a nomination. Maybe it also just didn't get one because it came out like in February. So it, I think it slipped from a lot of people's minds. Now, next one is Midsummer. I know a lot of times horror movies aren't accepted for this kind of thing, but uh, we got Get Out last year, or a couple years ago, uh, as a nomination. So I feel like we're starting to open up about this. So the movie, so Midsummer, 
Okay, Midsummer is not uh, doesn't have as much to say as Get Out did, but it was wonderfully shot. It dealt with uh, depression and loss so well, as well as just showing different sides of of different people, and then threw in some amazing horror, which didn't rely on uh, jump scares, just relied on having a good plot. It was well acted. It was fantastically acted. Again, Florence Pugh. Maybe she got an Oscar nomination for this movie because that performance is bonkers. There are so many scenes in this movie that are like this is just bonkers. This is, but which feel like if it's that bonkers, it should have gotten a nomination just from the artsy crowd. So yeah, highly recommend uh, Midsummer as a uh, replacement for one of the ones that kicked out of the Best Picture nominations. Rocket Man. How? 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 Was Rocket Man not nominated for Best Picture, as well as Taron Egerton uh, for Best Actor? Uh, we got freaking well, Human Rhapsody was nominated last year. I think uh, uh, even won Best Actor for uh, forget his name, Mr. Robot's performance in that movie, and yet Rocket Man, which is a way better version of that movie, full-on musical, better acted, better story, better editing, better. Just all around, it was a, a fantastic, again, artsy. It, it, it was more artsy than uh, than uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Also more accurate somehow, even though it was a little bit more uh, dreamlike than Bohemian Rhapsody. Performances were great. There's nothing wrong with this movie. It was one of my favorite movies of the year. should have gotten in there. I feel like a lot of people feel like this. And yet a movie like Little Women, which has been made five times, gets in the nomination. That's just ridiculous. Uh, another one, this one, again, might be a little bit out of the realm of uh, Oscar winners or nominees, but I feel like that's ridiculous because this movie is so well made. <sighs> yeah, water. Um, that's Knives Out. This movie took a genre that I feel like should be on its last legs because it's just how, how, how many different variations can you make of a story about somebody killing somebody? It's a murder mystery, a detective murder mystery. Everybody in the house trying to figure out who the killer was uh, with a, a eccentric detective. It should not have been as good as it was. Yet it, I walked in there skeptical and walked out blown away. There's, I, I, couldn't, I can't think of one way to improve this movie. Uh, so yeah, this movie, and it feels like everyone felt that way after seeing this movie. Uh, Nobody had like believable acting because it was very stylized, but everyone had fun acting that fit in with the style of the film. Everyone just went for it, and it was so much fun. And it's such a perfect movie, and it should have been nominated. And fight me, bro, fight me, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll defend this movie. Um, and my last one, and this one seems like Oscar bait, is the farewell. Uh, this movie might have gone underneath a lot of people's radar. Uh, it wasn't super huge, uh, but it's so good. It stars Aquafina, who you know from Crazy Rich Asians and the new uh, uh, Jumanji film. And it's basically about this Chinese family. They find out that their grandmother is dying, and in there, uh, I guess, medical stuff isn't done the same way it's done here, where the, the doctors told the family that the grandmother is dying, but they didn't tell the grandmother. So they basically come up with this idea to fake a wedding, this is based on a true thing. This really happened. They even show you some footage in the end of the movie. They fake a wedding between a, a, fam- a guy and his girlfriend that's in the family, and they invite everyone to go to China because uh, some of them live in, in America for the wedding, but they're, re- they're not really there for the wedding. They're there to see the grandma. They just don't want the grandma to know that she's dying. So it's everyone having the chance to say goodbye to the grandma under false pretenses, and it's so good. It, uh, it'll make you feel. It's Again, it's really funny. Aquafina uh, is already just winning me over as a fantastic actress, which is crazy because I did not like her in Crazy Rich Asians. And now I love her. Uh, the grandmother is so fun. And it's sc- the, yeah, there's times where you're scared. Uh, Aquafina's dad in the movie uh, has a great performance because he's, he's the son of the grandmother. And just... It's a it's a surprising movie. It's a different. It's a way of looking at a different culture than our own. If you live here in the states, and just uh, it's, it's just it's just a feel good movie. And since it's based on true story, it's so moving and it's so different from what we see. I feel like this movie should have gotten in there. 
put that as a replacement for Little Women. Uh, it's a female-driven movie. Uh, yeah, so that, those are my picks for the, the replacements for Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Little Women, and Ford v. Ferrari. All right, so that's been the show. Thank you so much to those of you who chose to listen to this thing all the way through. I did not expect myself, to, while talking by myself, to make a podcast that is over an hour long. I almost, I almost never did that with guests on my old podcast, and yet somehow, just talking to you lovely people, I managed to get over the hour mark. So that's, that could be a ba- good thing or it could be a bad thing. I, I don't know if I'm doing it because I'm just not listening to myself. Maybe I'm just stuttering for an hour and only making a few sentences that make sense. Hopefully it's not just stuttering. Hopefully it's actually something that makes sense. Hopefully it's something that you guys love. Please, we are on iTunes now. We have made it there. We are in the big leagues, baby. Leave us a review and uh, tell other people that there's this great podcast out there. Trick them into thinking this is a great podcast. Tell them it's artsy. Tell them uh, it's underground. It's all the uh, all the cool kids listening to it. Be like a a, a drug dealer and after school special for those of you who know what those are. And get those kids listening to this podcast and think it's a cool thing to do, Daddy-O. Oh, on that note, I'm going to end the show. Thanks for listening. Bye.